Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, we're so excited. I, I watched something like that, what Jeannie's doing over in Thailand. It's such a blessing to be able to support missionaries all over the world who are reaching people with a life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. But you know what? We're doing it right here in Georgetown, Texas. And if you missed last Sunday, my prayer was that we would see a thousand adults here in our worship service on Sunday morning or the three services that we had. And uh, afterwards, Jason Fraser, one of our elders, came up to me and said, Brian, I hate to tell you this, but your prayers fell short. We only had 999 adults in the worship services. And then Don Stoops popped his head out of the office and said, wait, you didn't count me. So literally, we had a thousand adults at our worship services here last Sunday. <clears throat> We had 151 kids back in the children's wing. But you know what? It's, it's not about the numbers. It's about life change. It's about God's spirit working. And by the time those three services were over on Sunday morning, 43 adults had raised their hands and indicated that for the first time in their lives, they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Is that awesome or what? <clears throat> also, I heard back in the uh, children's wing that 12 children did likewise. They put their faith in Jesus. So 55 souls were saved here last Sunday. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So. <clears throat> So I'm excited today because we're launching into this new series that's uh, going to be really impactful, I think, for a lot of people in our church. The title is this, One Minute After You Die. What happens one minute after you die? You ever thought about that? And in fact, I'm curious, how many of you in here would say, I really don't like thinking a lot about or talking a lot about death? Would you just raise your hands? Okay, a number of you. My wife, Wendy, will often tell me, you know, you might start talking to her about what would happen if I were to die, what she needed to do, things like that. She's like, I, I don't like thinking about that. But the truth is, you, you don't really die. That's right, you don't really die. Did you realize that? Your physical body will cease to exist at some point, but you will continue to exist. You will live eternally somewhere. And this is what the Bible has to say about that. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Follow along with me here. For we know that when this earthly tent, okay, what is this earthly tent? That's a metaphor for our physical bodies. We know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. How many of you grow weary sometimes in this present body? Okay, can I hear an amen on that one? <clears throat> okay, I thought so. Yeah, I'm with you. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. And verse six says, so we are always confident. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm confident. Go ahead. Yeah, we are always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. And verse eight now, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. You know, another translation says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
So why do we exist? You know, what is our goal here? What is our assignment while we're here in this earthly body? Or even if we're away from it, verse nine tells us. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to accumulate a lot of money. Did I mess that up? <clears throat> no, no, no. Our goal is to become YouTube famous. Our, our goal is to get a record number of likes on our most recent post with the perfect filter and a dream caption. Our goal is a house with shiplap, okay? I don't even know what that is, but evidently it's really important to some of you guys. Someone tried to explain it to me after first hour. I still don't know what shiplap is. I just know I needed to practice saying it because so, I could mess it up really easily if I wasn't careful. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now let's, let's take a look at what it really says. It says our goal is to please him. Our goal is to live for him, for Jesus. Our goal is to do what's gonna last in verse 10, Paul says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Okay, we'll come back to this thought. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So ultimately, whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Christ. Okay, now I've had some people ask me, why are we talking about death? That is not a fun subject. Brian, why do we need to talk about what happens one minute after you die? Well, the reason is this. It's very simple. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. If you believe that you're just an accident, there is no God, there is no eternity, then you're gonna live a pretty selfish life, a life that's just focused on the pleasures of this time. Everything will be about now, now, now. But if you believe that you're created by a God for his glory and that you will live somewhere eternally, That'll shape the way you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. We will live somewhere. One day when your physical body ceases to exist, your soul will continue to live on. Now, just to give you a little preview of where we're heading next week, we're gonna talk about the reality of hell. Is hell a real place? Yes, it is. We're gonna talk about what happens in hell. Who goes to hell? Why did God create a hell? Uh, do you just play cards with a bunch of fraternity brothers in hell, right? What's going to happen? There's the suffering real in hell. We're going to talk about all that. And then in two weeks, we're going to talk about heaven, okay? What happens in heaven? Who goes there? Right? What, what is heaven all about? Are we just going to sit up? There's going to be a long, boring worship service. You just sing songs for thousands of years. Do you have new bodies? Do you recognize people? What do we do in heaven? We're going to talk about that. But today, what I want to do is to lay a foundation for our series, One Minute After You Die. And so we're going to talk about three things that happen immediately after this life is done. Three things that happen immediately after this life is done. We've already talked about the first one. Our physical bodies die. <laughs> Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once. Let's pause there for a moment. I want to make sure you understand that according to recent studies, and the studies are conclusive, one out of one people die. <laughs> now, you're going to die. You're going to die somehow. I don't know how but you're gonna die somehow. For me, hopefully I don't die of a shark attack, all right? I remember one time I was at the beach, I saw something out in the water, it looked like a shark. I don't know what it was, it may have been a dolphin, but I ran like a little girl because I thought it was a shark, okay? And I've been terrified ever since I saw Jaws as a little kid, I've been scared to death of sharks. I actually got online, I did a little research about shark attacks, and what I found was very comforting, it may be comforting to you as well. You are more likely to die from getting hit on the head by a champagne cork than a shark death, okay? 
That brings me great comfort, right? You're more likely to die from a coconut falling and hitting you on the head. You're more likely to die as the result of bad handwriting. It's true. You ever have a doctor who just scribbles and you take the wrong medication? Yeah, it happens. You're more likely to die falling off the toilet. (laughs) Some of you should be aware of that as you're leaning to the right, looking at Instagram, okay? Just had to tell you that. It brings me great comfort in knowing the truth because the truth, when you know it, it sets you free. You're going to die. Your body's dust. It's going to return to dust. You're nothing but dust. Turn to the person next to you. Go and say, you're nothing but dust. All right, go ahead. That's encouraging. So the Bible says this, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. What's going to happen at the end of this life? Our physical bodies will die. Second, our souls will separate from our physical bodies. Okay, your physical body stays behind, your soul continues to live on. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear people, but live in a reverent fear of God. Okay, when your body ceases to exist, your soul will continue to live on. In other words, when you die at some point in time, and there's a funeral, and there will be a funeral, right? And then people are going to say a few words over you, and then they're going to put your body in the ground or in an urn, and everybody else is going over to Aunt Alma's for a potluck dinner, right, whatever. You will never be more alive in that moment than you are right now. You'll be very much so alive. Your physical body will cease to exist, but your soul continues to live on. Jesus actually illustrated this for us in John's gospel. He was talking to Martha. And at this time, Martha was upset because Lazarus, her brother, had just died. He had died four days earlier. And I love the way the King James Version describes Lazarus' body. You know, the King James Version is so proper, so holy, so beautiful. And it says that Lazarus' body stinketh, okay? (laughs) He'd been dead for a while. That's the point, all right? Doesn't say stinky, it stinketh. And Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So what happens to the soul of a Christian after the body dies? Well, the Bible isn't clear on all the details of what happened immediately, but we do know that to be absent from this body, boom, is to be present with the Lord. We do know that when Jesus was crucified, there were two criminals that were on either side of Jesus who were guilty. They were in need of forgiveness. And we know that one of them recognized his need and called on the grace of Jesus. This is what the criminal said. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And by the grace of Jesus, not by any good works that this guilty man could have done, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, get this, today, Today, when your body ceases to exist, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, where exactly is that? What is paradise? We don't know all the details there, but we know it's a far better place than this earthly life. In fact, the apostle Paul, he once wrestled with, I don't know what I want to do. You know, do I want to continue to live here and make a difference in people's lives? Or do I want to go on to that better place, to paradise? And this is the way Paul put it. This is Philippians 1.20. He said, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying, 
is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better by far for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. See, to live and to be in this body is to be fruitful, to share the love of Jesus with people. But then again, it's better to be absent from the body and be present with Christ. And so Paul, he's got this wrestling match going on. I don't know which one I want. I really want to be with Jesus. But for your sakes, I'll, I'll probably stick around here. Okay, what else happens when you die? Third, we will all be judged. We will all face judgment. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 1.17. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residents. People remember this world, it's not your home. You're just passing through. This is just a short period of time in the eternal scheme of things. And when you die one day, you will be judged or rewarded. Judged or rewarded. In fact, just let me show you in scripture two different judgments and talk about each one of them. The first judgment that we see in scripture is called the great white throne judgment. You may have heard of it. And most scholars believe that the great white throne judgment is only for non-believers, for unbelievers. Okay, I agree with that assessment. We do know that the apostle John, he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He was given this vision by the spirit of God and he kind of described the things that were to come. And I want you to listen to what John said in Revelation 20, 11. He said, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. <clears throat> I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We're going to talk more about the lake of fire next week, but let's talk about this. What is the book of life? Okay, here's the amazing news. We know that Jesus is the son of God. We also know that he was born completely without sin. He's actually called in scripture, the lamb of God who was slain for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus died in our place. And that means the moment that you recognize that you are a screw up, that you are a sinner, that you fall short of God's perfect standard, that you need his grace, you need his forgiveness. When you recognize that and you call on the grace of Jesus and put your faith in him and him alone, in that moment, the Bible says you're saved. Not by your good works, but by faith in Jesus alone. And the moment you put your faith in Jesus, your name is written in a book. It's called the book of life. And once your name is in his book, the Bible says it can never be blotted out. That's good news. Okay, your name, it can't be erased. There's no whiteout. There is no eraser. And when your name is in his book, you're his child. And that means at the great white throne judgment, you will be exempt. But I tell you what, if he looks in that book of life, if he looks in that book at the great white throne judgment, your name's not in there. The Bible says your next move, your next place of residency is not a place you'll like. It's not a place you'll enjoy. More on that next week. So there are two judgments. <clears throat> the first one we just talked about, the great white throne judgment. Is your name written in the book of life? The second judgment is what's called the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul, he's talking to the Corinthian believers. These are followers of Jesus. And he says to them, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
Okay, what is the judgment seat of Christ? It's sometimes called the bema seat of Christ. It comes from this Greek word bema, which is kind of like a platform, all right? And the bema, you have to understand, it was all a part of the Greek Olympics. So after, let's say, a race, the winners would come before the judge who would be standing on or maybe sitting on the bema, and awards would be given to these winners, right? There were first place, second place, third place. And the judge, he would give out these rewards, these prizes, and say, here's a crown. Or he would say, Here, here's the reef for first place. And it's very, very important to understand this. The Bema seat was not the place to judge, did you qualify? Let me say that again. The Bema seat was never the place in Greek culture to judge, did you qualify? No, in the Greek culture, that was the place where you celebrated the fact that you finished the race, that you were faithful. And here's the reward for what you've done. It's so important to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is not a place for the judgment of our sins, okay? This is a place where followers of Jesus are judged based on their own good works, okay? And you'll be rewarded, maybe with great rewards, maybe with little rewards. There will be some kind of rewards handed out at the Bema seat. But you have already, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's already forgiven you, okay? He's already cleansed you. The judgment's already taken place for you in that realm, So this is the place where whatever you do on earth is rewarded in heaven. Now, you may be out here this morning and and maybe you're a little bit confused and you're thinking, well, wait a minute. I thought you said that, you know, our salvation doesn't have anything to do with our good works. We can't be good enough, can't be religious enough, right? That our sins separate us from a perfect, holy God. That's absolutely correct. You were saved by the grace of Jesus and only by the grace of Jesus. Okay, end of story. You're saved, you're forgiven and given eternal life by grace, but you're rewarded for works. You see the difference? You're saved by grace, but you're rewarded for works. You can't work for forgiveness. You can't work for a place in heaven. All you do is recognize the fact that you bring nothing to the table and put your faith totally in Jesus. But hear me on this. You will be rewarded one day in heaven for the way you live your life, for your good works, okay? And that's why what you do today matters eternally. I can't emphasize that enough. How you live your life today, it matters eternally. It's going to make a big difference in your eternity. Not your location, heaven or hell, but the rewards, how you live in eternity. And so the natural question we should ask is, well, what are we going to be judged by? What are we going to be rewarded by? And let me just share a few things with you. If you want to, you can jot them down in your notes. There is no possible way I could cover all the verses. There are way too many. So I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version here. First of all, you're going to be judged by and rewarded for how you treated other people, how you loved other people, especially the Bible says the least of these. The Bible talks a lot about the outcast, the poor, the broken, the marginalized, the hurting. You'll be judged not just by what you do, but hear me on this. You'll be judged by your motives. Why did you do those things? The Bible says you'll be judged by your words. That's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Maybe put some tape over your mouth sometimes, right? Wow. You'll be judged by enduring suffering. If you endured suffering, if you endured it well, you'll be rewarded. You'll be judged by what you've done with what you've been given. right? Your resources, time treasure, talents? Did you use those resources to bless other people or just hoard it yourself? You'll be rewarded for leading people to Christ. There's a crown, the Bible says, for those who are soul winners, those who lead someone to Jesus. And just imagine this with me. Can you imagine for just a second? Imagine that your life is done, okay? Boom. One day it's going to happen. 
Your physical body ceases to exist. Game over. All the stuff you have here on earth, it's left behind. And you are standing before Jesus. Actually, imagine you can't even stand. You, You fall to your knees, right? You kneel before him. And imagine that Jesus takes perhaps a crown and puts it on your brow and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You know, because you served back in the children's wing with those kids each and every week, you made an eternal difference. You didn't even know it, but there are people here in my kingdom right now because of what you did years and years ago. Well done. Or maybe Jesus will point to some people and go, remember praying for this guy? Remember when you prayed for this woman over here? You made a difference. Or maybe Jesus will say, you know what? You were the brightest light in your office. When everybody else made fun of you, right? You stood, you stood your ground. You were faithful. No one else saw when you did what was right. It would have been easy to do what was wrong, but you chose to do what was right in this situation ethically. I noticed, Jesus will say, I noticed. Or maybe he'll say, I know that you didn't have much at all, but you always gave faithfully to the church, to missionaries, to the poor. I noticed. You shared your faith regularly, whatever it may be. See, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Now, you would think that the longer you walk with Christ, the easier it would be to be eternally minded. But let me tell you something. There's a mistake that we sometimes make. There's an opposite force at work. And that is the longer we are here on this earth, the more we tend to put our roots down into this world. And I have to admit, there are times when I've caught myself caring way, way too much about the things of this world. Not like five, 10 years ago, like last week, okay? I cared way too much. I mean, at at times, I care more about what people think of me than being consumed with what he thinks of me. At times, I get so concerned about getting my tasks done when I'm out and about around town, eating out, working out at the store, wherever, that I don't pay attention to all these opportunities around me to maybe talk with someone about God. And the more comfortable I become in my Christian life, you know, and it just more comfortable my life in general becomes, the more I crave more comfort. And the more I crave more comfort, the less I really am living for the things that matter the most. And, and then it's harder to go out of your way to interact with people you don't know. So I'm telling you, we have to fight with everything in us against the gravity, the pull of the things of this world, or it'll suck us in. I guarantee you, it does for me. We have to fight against that. You know, I'm doing that lately by praying a lot more, pausing more throughout the day, inviting God into every moment of every day, trying to do life with God, stay in tune with him 24-7. Now, how many of you in here ever used the little map programs? Maybe you have one built into your car on your phone, something like that. You ever use the little map apps? Okay. I am directionally challenged. I get lost all the time, right? And it'll say, turn in 900 feet. And I'm driving along. Suddenly it's turn now. It's like, whoa, right? And then you hear that voice recalculating, recalculating. I've heard that a million times, recalculating. And I got to thinking about that. That's sort of the way we live our Christian life a lot, right? I mean, we start off, right? We, we've got to set in. We're heading the right direction. And then we get distracted by this. We get distracted by that. And, and we need to let the Holy Spirit kind of recenter us, recalculate, if you will. People, we have got to fight against putting our roots down in this world. Break those roots, the love of the things of this world, so we can focus on what really matters. And I'll just toss out a few ideas for you here. Maybe for you, it means giving in your life. I don't know if it's your time, your treasure, your talent, but, but giving until maybe it feels a bit uncomfortable. Because sometimes, you know, we can just get consumed with the things of this world 
and the, the money we have, the possessions we have. And, and the way to break that is, is to give sacrificially. Maybe it's, it's praying longer than normal because after a while it feels like, oh, this is just a waste of time. No, no, no. Prayer recenters us. Maybe you pick somebody you don't even know and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pray for this person over here. You know, that will change your eternal perspective. Maybe it's spending more time in God's word because I need it. It's recalculating. It's recentering me. The pull of this world is so strong, but let me tell you, the pull of this world is also so, so temporary. One day your heart is going to beat for the last time. And at that point, there are no do-overs. So the challenge in my world is to fight to keep the eternal goal front and center, to say, Jesus, you know, wherever I'm at, whether in the body, outside the body, if I'm here, there, wherever I'm at, my goal is to please you. My goal is to please you. My goal is to please you. And if you catch yourself caring a little too much about the things of this world, and I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's football, maybe it's shoes, the degree, the new house, popularity, the nice car, the next vacation, whatever it is. Cut off the roots, okay, to the things of this world, the things that will not last, that do not matter. Let the Spirit of God recalculate, right? Bring you back to spiritual center. Because in the long run, you have one goal and you're just passing through this life. So whatever you do, wherever you are, our goal is to please Him. Our goal is to please Him. Let's pray. Lord, that has been my prayer as I have reflected on this passage. God, would you give me the mindset that the Apostle Paul had? Only one goal, only one goal, please you. And God, I confess to you that so often I get so caught up in the things of this world that I miss it. I miss opportunities. I become self-focused. I become consumed. My roots are going down here and they need to be focused on your kingdom. So I don't know what it is for my brothers and sisters who are here this morning. <clears throat> Maybe it's their roots are, are too grown into materialism, the things that they have. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's popularity, caring too much about what people think and not enough about what you think. God, I pray that we would think more about eternity, that we would keep our minds focused on the fact that this life is so, so short. And what we do here echoes in eternity. It makes an eternal difference. Not for heaven and hell. That's simply by putting our faith in you, Jesus. But for the rewards you desire to give us, for the quality of our eternal life, for the blessings and just for standing before you one day and hearing that well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, that's what I want more than anything else. I want to run this race well. When I stand at that Bema seat, I want to be rewarded for a job well done. And ultimately, Lord, we know that we can't do any of this apart from the power of your Holy Spirit living in us. But for those of us who name the name of Jesus, we have that power. We have that ability. The question is, will we allow your Holy Spirit to change us or will we just keep living for our own desires? So God, as we talk about eternal things over the next few weeks, I pray that you would change our attitude, that you would change our mindset. 
that we would spend more time thinking about what truly matters and less time thinking about the things of this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.